0: of our Lord Jesus Christ is full of many amazing miracles. One of those miracles is where that birth occurred. We see that there was a prophecy given 700 years before that birth, which foretold that this birth would occur in a little town called Bethlehem. The prophecy is found in the writings of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, literally Bethlehem of Judah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. I want us to notice how there is an emphasis in this prophecy about the littleness of Bethlehem because it holds a powerful revelation about the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It it, it begs the question, why would God choose a little insignificant Nothing town like Bethlehem. The reason why is that Bethlehem was the perfect choice. Let me explain. Have you ever had the unfortunate experience of being chosen last for a team? I remember um, gathering, we would frequently gather. As a, young, as a young boy with all of the neighborhood kids, and we would go to this field near my home. It was called Wilson's Field. It was basically a baseball field. And we would go there uh, to play baseball or football or soccer or, or whatever. And the hardest part of that experience was not the playing. It was not the winning or the losing. It was the choosing. Choosing the teams. Because typically what would happen is the two alpha males, how many know what I'm talking about, 12-year-olds have a way of distinguishing who the alphas are, the two alpha males would make themselves captains, and they would in turn select the biggest, the strongest, the fastest. And if you've never been in that position, you know that the worst thing that can happen to a 12-year-old boy is to be picked last. And this is what often happens to those who are the little, who are the small, especially in our culture, because the little and the small, especially in a group of 12-year-old boys, seem to be the least valued, the most insignificant, and therefore are not chosen or are last to be chosen. This is why when... One would think that when God would choose a place for the Messiah to be born, the last place that he would choose would be the little town of Bethlehem. It was basically a small, insignificant, little shepherding village, barely on the map, with a population of about 200 people, maybe 300 people. It was a humble place full of humble people, existing in poverty and obscurity. Yet God said, though you are little, out of you shall come the one to be ruler in Israel from everlasting. Now, why would God choose this as the place to reveal His Son, the Savior of the world? I believe Because Bethlehem is just like us, just like you and me. And if we would be honest with ourselves this morning, many of us can relate to being called little among thousands. Just like that little 12-year-old boy on the baseball field watching as the two alphas are choosing the best and the brightest and the smartest and the fastest. That's how many people feel about themselves. We compare ourselves to those around us and we feel like we're just one little insignificant nothing amongst thousands. We feel so unimportant, so lacking in value as compared to everyone around us. We often think to ourselves, I wish I could be like that person or I wish I could be like that guy or that woman or all those people on social media that I see who are putting forward these great pictures and the best image of of themselves I wish I could look like that I wish I could talk like that or speak like that I wish I could have talent like that or a family like that or a career or money or success like that so often Secretly, deep down in our heart, we feel so little among the thousands. We feel inferior. So many people today carry an inferiority complex, a sense of inadequacy about themselves. And so often we feel guilty about our flaws and ashamed about our failures and about our sin. In fact some may be here right now today you may be feeling guilty about some things that you said or some things that you did or some things that you thought or some secrets that you have that only you and god in heaven know about we look good on the outside with our success with our career Driving our nice cars and our clothes with our family and the image we portray on social media that we have it all together and not a care in the world. But deep down, so many people today feel like imposters. It's called, psychologists call it the imposter syndrome, where people have this fear that everyone around them will find out that they're really a fraud. That deep down, they're really full of shame and full of. If people really knew what I was like, what I struggle with, my thoughts, my secret sins, no one would pick me to be on their team. I met with someone this week talking about the potential God has for their life and they said, I wouldn't choose me if I were God. Isn't that how so many of us feel? I wouldn't choose me. If I... But by choosing Bethlehem, everybody say Bethlehem, little among thousands, to be the place where the Messiah would come. He was showing us, the little ones among the thousands, us, we who feel so insignificant and ashamed and, and, and unworthy. He was showing us that we are the first ones that God chooses. We are just like Bethlehem. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says that God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the mighty and the foolish things to shame the wise. This has always been the theme of Bethlehem, that God chooses the little and that out of the little something great will come. This is one reason why it's called the city of David. Remember David? David was the littlest among his brothers. Samuel came to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel. And so as Samuel the alpha male stood there, choosing the best, the brightest, the tallest, and the strongest to be the next one, each time God said, no, not that one. No, not that one. No, you're looking on the outside but God looks on the heart that was what God was saying and it turns out that it wasn't the oldest it wasn't the smartest it wasn't the biggest the strongest or the or the or the fastest that was chosen it wasn't the first that was chosen it was the last one to be chosen the smallest the youngest the little among the great it was david that was chosen god loves to choose the smallest and the weakest. That's Bethlehem. God came to the smallest place so that the smallest in the world would come to him. If he chose a city of greatness, if he chose a city of riches, if he chose a city of power and fame filled with with wealthy families and famous people, people of power and and pedigree, then the smallest and the littlest among us would never feel good enough for God. But because it was Bethlehem, even the weakest now would feel welcome in his presence. If God would come through this little town, then no one is too little, and there's no such thing in God's sight as an insignificant life. And not only did he come to the smallest town, he came to the dirtiest corner in the smallest town, a stable, because there was no room for them in the inn. Imagine the dirt on the ground, the dust in the air, the goats, the cows, the chickens, the camel. Imagine the mess. Imagine the filth, the smell, the dung on the ground waiting to be shoveled out in the morning. It tells us that God is not afraid of our mess, that he's familiar with the mess. That he's not offended by the mess. That his specialty is people who feel like their lives aren't always clean, aren't always orderly, aren't always set, you know, in the right place. But he specializes in those who feel like their life is lowly and dirty and messed up. And not only the smallest town... And not only the dirtiest corner, but look who he invites to the birth of this baby a bunch of shepherds who, by law, were unclean, outcasts, left out of society, out of religion. And the wise men who were the wise men? They were actually pagan astrologers from the East. Notice this he didn't invite the religiously reformed. He didn't invite the so-called righteous, the proper, the priests, you know, the the Pharisees. And why not? Why did he not invite the Pharisees? Why did he not bring revelation to them and tell them to gather at this manger scene? Why didn't he invite Herod or, or Caesar? I'll tell you why. Because he wanted the lowest of the low, the most unlikely among the liked. He wanted the unclean shepherds and the pagans there. Why? So that today, the unclean and the pagans today would feel welcomed in his presence so that you and I would feel welcomed in his presence. Now maybe you've never been picked last like David or like that 12-year-old at Wilson's Field. But God knows... The shame and the guilt that we all carry. The things that we regret. The things that we're embarrassed about. The drugs that we've taken. The alcohol that we've drank too much. The the pornography. The abortions. The promiscuity. The lies. He knows about it all. But he wants you to know that if all the world wouldn't choose you. If all the world found out about all of your dirt and all of your mess and they wouldn't choose you, he chooses you. How does he choose you? How do you know that? Because this baby grew up, became a man and identified with mankind. And he went to the cross and on that cross he took all of our sin and all of our shame upon Himself. You see, a holy God cannot fellowship with sin, He must punish it. But a loving God doesn't want to punish sin. So Jesus, God the Son, went to the cross so that we would not suffer the wrath of a holy God. Bethlehem shows us that God chooses the little among us, He chooses the insignificant. The dirty, the messy, the shameful among us. Hallelujah. The infinite God of the universe, the creator of it all, left his throne, vacated the heavens, and entered our world through a little town called Bethlehem. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. Come on, give the Lord a praise.
1: <laughs> Little town, Bethlehem, here, your Savior come. Riding on the clouds of heaven to a virgin's womb. divinity incarnate, holy God in man. The majesty of heaven, now clothed in skin. Oh, what a Savior, perfect and holy. Blessed Redeemer, given for mercy, for God's soul. The world for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. Little town, Bethlehem, hear -hmm. a baby's cry. A hundred years of silence. Awaken by pure light Unto us he's given Unto us he's born In the city of King David Jesus Jesus Christ the Lord Oh what a savior Perfect and holy, Blessed redeemer Given from the sea of God So like the world I'm so loved. I you know, always think what a savior. Your Savior comes riding on the clouds of it through a virgin's womb. Divinity in calm, fully God and man. Our God is with us, He's a man you with. Come on, church, give me praise this morning? How are you?
0: It's so easy for us to, to lose what Christmas is all about in all of the hustle and, uh, and the hassle of the holiday. Putting up the trees and all the decorations, buying the gifts, wrapping the gifts, getting together with friends and family for parties. and get to, It's all good. It's all great and wonderful things to do. But the true meaning of Christmas is all about God's love for you and me. That's what it all comes down to. That a holy God did not want to have to judge our sins. And so rather than judge our sins, He sent His Son, Jesus, to the cross. And the Bible says on the cross, the Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Jesus on the cross received our punishment. The Bible says he died, was buried, and he rose again. When he rose again, he demonstrated that the offering of his life for our sin was accepted by God the Father. And now we can have forgiveness of sins and the assurance of eternal life. But we must receive the gift. It's a gift that he offers to us. It's not something that comes automatically. It's like any gift at Christmas. Someone offers a gift to you, you've got to reach out, take it, and own it for yourself. That's what eternal life is. It's the gift of God to you. Don't miss what Christmas is all about. Don't get so caught up in all the schedule that you neglect to receive the gift that God has for you. This morning, I want to offer you an opportunity to receive that gift of Forgiveness of sin and eternal life by receiving Jesus Christ into your life by faith. Let's all stand together. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you're here today and you want to receive Christ into your life, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer with me as an expression of your faith to God. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's repeat it together. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. I admit that I'm a sinner but I believe Jesus Christ God the Son went to the cross for my sin and I believe that he died in my place and rose from the dead and I receive that gift of forgiveness of sin and eternal life in Jesus name Jesus come into my life Be Lord and Savior in your name. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, that's just a step that you're taking, a step of faith. There's a whole journey ahead of you. And I want to encourage you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, to stop by our welcome center out there in the lobby before you leave the building and just let them know, hey, I prayed that prayer at the end of the service today. We have some information for you. And uh, would like to share with you what some of those next steps are about. Amen. But for now, let's lift up a hand and give the Lord some thanks. Can we do that? Let's lift up both hands and let's worship the Lord for a moment. Come on, let's do that. Let's worship the Lord right now. Oh, what a Savior. Oh, what a Savior,
1: perfect and holy, blessed Redeemer, given for mercy for God's soul. World. Oh, come on church sing it with me. For God's so loved the world. We sing what a Savior. Oh what a Savior. Perfect and holy. Blessed and redeemer. Given for mercy. For God's so